0: Welcome to As You Were, a podcast about Alkaline Trio, where every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week it's Wait for the Blackout.
1: Parentheses, the damned. Before- yes, obviously parentheses damned cover mm. what's your what's your preferred with uh demarcating a cover song i prefer
0: it when people don't and for two reasons is i feel like that's a more effective way to kind of sneak one past your fan base where they just think oh it's a song <laughs> um but also because i love when it's also comes back to the band where people are like, Oh, I love that song so much. And like, Oh, it's a cover. Cause it's just mutual embarrassment in both directions. And I really, that's my preferred. You just but want, you just want people to, to be
1: embarrassed.
0: Yes. Uh, 100%. I mean, that's most of human interaction, but if I have to pick one, just, just parentheses, the damned, I, I would prefer that. Parentheses, the damned,
1: as you were a podcast about alkaline trio. Every week we talk about one alkaline trio song. And this week, it's Wait for the Blackout. Now, this is a song that was written by the Alkaline Trio, just like... Ah, no! Got me. Mm-hmm. That's how it would look yep. if we didn't have parentheses, The Damned, or just the writing credits listed, because the song has, uh, We get four credits on this one, and that's Captain Sensible, Rat Scabies uh who are, what are the other guy's names i just dave know vanian dave vanian and paul gray there you go captain sensible is such a fucking good punk name that mm-hmm. scabies maybe the best
0: i mean talk about a band that uh really had so much personality in all ways like four truly different people together in one band um you know and just just gonna give a little preface here to everyone listening if if you think this is going to be a lot of damn talk guess what you're correct Mm -hmm. um because you know it's a cover that's what we do when we get to covers um but, you know, it's it's really funny because going back and listening to the original, yesterday I listened to Machine Gun Etiquette, the third Damned record, and then Black Album, the fourth, which, wait for the Blackout, is the first song on. Um, and it's just funny how quickly this band grew and, like, how, I mean, from the first record, damn Damned, yeah. Damned, they're pretty fully formed. Um, And they just, you know, over the course of three years, really slide into being this weirdo kind of goth band um, without being a part of the, like, rising goth scene in England. It's really fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. And you go back and, like, listen to parts of Machine Gun Etiquette, and it's like, oh, fuck. Are Dave Lane twinkly emo,
0: like, way ahead of schedule? (laughs) Well, I mean, there's that in, like, Love Song, first song on that record. When that song kicks in, it's like a discharge song, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, there's a reason that um, Motorhead and The Damned were, like, kind of kissing cousins here uh, and, like, had so much reverence for one another. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe uh, Lemmy played in The Damned for, like, a show or two or something or vice versa. I forget which way it goes, but, I mean, they they had a lot of sonic similarities really on. Like, I think... You know, I I guess we'll just get into it. But like of the early punk bands, there's usually like it's kind of the big three. It's Sex Pistols, Clash, Ramones are usually the ones that people kind of hold up as being the big ones. And I've always found it a little goofy that it wasn't the big four because that's usually how people do that. Is usually four that they point to. Uh, But like. The Damned, I think, really have a place in that conversation and just, you know, I think they're well-respected and, like, beloved and stuff, but they don't carry the same weight that Ramones, Sex Pistols, or Clash do.
1: Absolutely, and if you're even looking at, like, the big three in England, it would probably be Sex Pistols, Clash, and the Buzzcocks and no shade on the Buzzcocks. Absolutely no shade on the Buzzcocks. But I think that the Damned are... One of those bands that have sort of as time has gone on been relegated into great singles band, and that is such a short sell. it is not even funny,
0: well, and I mean to that to that point, like both them and the Buzzcocks have put out records fucking recently mm-hmm. um they've kind of continued, and I think because. You know, I mean, it's the reason that, like, I mean, the Ramones, I think, are in higher esteem now than they were when they were active for most of their career. Yeah. You know, they weren't huge. Um,
1: And they had, like, a long period, too, where they were active and people didn't really care.
0: Yeah. And, like, that's the thing is, really, when you kind of break it down, like, the Clash and Sex Pistols stand as these real huge totems because they break up pretty quickly. I mean, the Clash lasts much longer, but it's it's pretty fast mm-hmm. um, for how much material they put out, you know? Yeah, they're done by 83. Yeah, it's pretty wild just, like, how quickly th- everything happened from mm-hmm. the mid-70s, whereas the Dam kind of press on and go in a really different direction. Um, and, you know, the Buzzcocks, too, like, I'm glad you brought them up because I think those to me are like the big four of, of first wave England punk. And it's just really interesting because I think the the damned and the Buzzcocks are the two that actually make the biggest sonic imprint on like punk and hardcore moving forward because like I said, like Love Song sounds very dischargey, very motor heady. And a lot of people say that the first D beat happens on um a Buzzcocks record. And, mm. you know, if if we take those two things to be true, or like, I mean I think it's kind of hard to debate because just timeline and ears, that's what you get to. But it makes sense that a lot of that really extreme, uh, hardcore that comes out in the next few years is coming out of England. Whereas, you know, like on the U S side, like it's much more, if they're pulling from the Ramones, it's much more simplistic. It's much more guitar driven. And there's a much more Mm -hmm. rhythmic thing happening out of the English bands. Um, which I, you know, is really fascinating Uh, yeah
1: and i think there's um there's also something to the sort of backlash that goes to sex pistols because people were like you know he's just playing chuck berry riffs and we don't want we don't want this to be a continuation of something we want it to be something new Mm -hmm. um and i think that gets applied very heavily in in post-punk um, but The Damned are a band that continue on into the post-punk years, but they, I think, are unique in their ability to adapt themselves in a way that's different from The Clash. I think The Clash just like expanded in all ways outward. Mm-hmm. I think The Buzzcocks... Um, the Buzzcocks... They definitely get like weird and experimental, but it's still pretty like well in line. The damn just keep growing, and Blackout is like definitely the start of phase two, maybe even phase
0: three. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is this band progresses so quickly. Their first two records both come out, first two albums come out in '77 Dam uh, Dam Dam and uh, Music for Pleasure. And then. You know, that's that's matching basically their Ramones pace early on. You know, mm-hmm. their first single, New Rose, out in 76, which puts them out ahead of a lot of people. Um, but yeah, by 1980, you when you hear the beginning to the Black album, it's different. It's mm-hmm. like very different. And, you know, I was kind of thinking why this is the damn song that Alkaline Trio picked to cover, right? Because they don't they don't do a ton of covers throughout their career, but the choices are always really fascinating to me mm-hmm. because you look at Wash Away, the TSOL song, they're picking the second TSOL record, which is the weird gothy synthy one. You know, um, from No Means No, just generally a weird band, so won't read into that too much. But like, you know, their first Cure cover is a B-side to a big single. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this one similarly is kind of, I've always read this choice of a cover as a very clear signal of the fact this came out on the one-man army split post good morning. I think it's very much like, yeah, this is what we want to be going towards. And I don't think Crimson is a one-to-one, but I think that's, I think it's really what they're reaching for.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, the shift into Goth is so seismic on this record which i'm just i've just learned this do you know who produced the black album by the damned no hans zimmer (laughs) okay sure Of fucking every movie that john williams didn't do the score to that you know the score to it's probably hans zimmer Mm -hmm. fucking insane or danny elfman those are probably the three yeah. Maybe yeah, Jordan yeah. Reznor. But that's about well, The big four. <laughs> the big four! Um, so you go from Nick, Nick Lowe producing your single in 1976 to uh, future Academy Award winner Hans Zimmer a mere four years later. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that... Let's tie this in. Let's tie Hans Zimmer in here because the the Alkaline Trio are definitely going more cinematic. Mm-hmm going Uh into crimson and i feel like this is a song that they probably were just in a phase where they probably just started working this cover into their practice yeah and time for a split perfect place to put your cover of a damned song and also like listening to that riff it's like oh yeah matt definitely took more than just the goth boy uh
0: sensibility Mm -hmm. from the damn i mean that riff it just sounds super fun to play and the the start of the song is so fun and i think Mm -hmm. you know the the trio cover is just really it's it's super faithful um and i think you know a lot of their covers kind of tend to be with the exception of maybe like halloween Mm -hmm. um and I think a lot of that, at least in my perception and in the times I've been in bands, it's like you learn to cover a song because you're kind of going for that thing and you want to get the feel for it, right? Hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what's going on here is like there is, there are more effects. There's more space between the riffs and drums. It's not as punky. Like it wouldn't really suit them, Alkaline Trio at that point in time, to be covering Love Song or New Rose or Neat, Neat, Neat or any of that. Like... it it, it makes so much more sense that, like, this is kind of where they're landing. And, you know, I will say, too, like, I think knowing that Hans Zimmer produced the Black album, it's like, oh, it makes a lot of sense. There's a scope to this. The way things Mm -hmm. kind of enter and recede in the song is, you know, uh, there's there's a lot of faders being pushed. There's a lot of, like, there's a real active mix at that time. Yeah,
1: for sure. Especially with, like... You know, that instrumental passage that happens twice in the song, it feels very spy movie on Mm -hmm. the original version. And it's a little bit more of the scrappy punk style on this one, too. But that riff really does have, like, fucking In Like Flint vibes to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just... It kind of just, and and I think that's the thing, and I think this is what ultimately hurts the damn at a point, is it this doesn't really feel punk, right? It's kind of just rock and roll. Um, It's got a little bit of bite to it and a little bit of darkness to it, but it's not, you know, this isn't a song that if you played this for someone in isolation, I don't know if they would immediately say this is a punk song. Mm, Definitely Uh, not, no. You know, maybe in 1980, but... mm. Not even by 1985. Um, (laughs) And I think that's what makes it really fascinating. And I think that's maybe what, like, kind of keeps a band like this interesting, even if they are kind of more cultishly beloved, is because they kind of really keep doing that. You know, Mm. they have records in the 2000s that are solid, you know, and um but they aren't going to be doing what you think of as like you know they're kind of in that early like i'm getting into punk or at least were fucking when i was getting into it like they were the kind Mm -hmm. of tentpole and yeah i mean i got into it pretty quick but i definitely understand if you heard black album before you heard the earlier stuff Mm. may not fully resonate
1: totally and i think too that this might be an instance where matt's age probably has something to do with this being the damned for him. Like, Mm -hmm. if he was a couple years older, you know, maybe he might have caught wind of the earlier stuff, but this seems to be very, very... uh, It makes sense that someone who was born in 76, who's growing up in the 80s, is going to hear something like this, which is definitely not dissimilar to like the new wave stuff that was part of your youth, but it's a little bit weirder. It's got a much more artistic sensibility This is a band that probably came at the right time mm-hmm. for him. And the song in particular is probably one that changed a lot of things.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to really go out on a limb here and float something pretty crazy. Um, but i think that the first four damned records and the first four alkaline trio records really do mirror each other pretty closely now what i mean by this is like i don't think there's sonic one to ones i don't think alkaline trio sounds like the damned but i think the spirit of each of them mm. fall pretty close in line and and you know let's 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 do this out uh first one damn 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 to goddamn it just really pure, really honest a lot of frenetic energy Rock is playing. It's got the whole package, right? Second record, little self-conscious, little bit rushed, mixed results. Mm -hmm. Third record is they're just going for the gut. And I, what I mean by this is like Matt famously has love song tattooed on his knuckles, which he attributes to being the damned. Uh, There was a period of time where he said the only sticker on his car uh, was a damn sticker. And I'm going to read you the opening four lines to Love Song, and, you know, I'm just going to say, could these have fallen in a song called Mr. Chainsaw? Let me ask you that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they are as follows. I'll be the ticket if you're my collector. I've got the fare if you're my inspector. I'll be the luggage, you'll be the porter. I'll be the parcel if you'll be my sorter. Um, Now... To me, that really feels like a real boilerplate for what he was going for on a lot of From Here to Infirmary. Mm -hmm. Mr. Chainsaw, trucks and trains, bloodied up. Um, And then the fourth record, you know, I think when you look at... I obviously do think it is a template for what they're doing on Crimson. It's them going there. But if you look at Wait for the Blackout and uh, This Could Be Love... Boy, those are pretty similar. Big riff up top, really le- <laughs> leaning into the goth shit. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how close Matt was looking to them as an influence, but I think spiritually there's a lot of overlap in how they make those moves. Um, also, again, in a pretty quick amount of time. Well done. Well done. That's what uh, cultural criticism is, my friend.
1: (laughs) Um, So this is the fifth song on... I'm sorry, the sixth song on the one-man-army split. It's the last Alkaline Trio song of uh, their half. Um, And how do you think it works within this split? This is a split that people are kind of mixed on Mm -hmm. um i think that it kind of i think that i remember the first time hearing it and just being like well okay sure it sort of it sort of seemed to be like an anti-climax to uh to what was for me the first alkaline trio release maybe ever
0: that seemed to be a step down Sure. I mean, yeah, we've talked about that, and I definitely agree. I think I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Is One, it feels like they're actually trying to, when I listen to it as a split and not just uh, its component parts on Remains, it does feel like they're trying to write a side of a record. I mean, mm-hmm. I do believe that. I do think there's intentionality behind the choices. And I think there's a little bit of like, I think if... If you had a bad time, closed it. I don't think anyone would bad night. It feels like a closer to a degree. Yeah. Um, but it's in the spirit of what I think splits were at that time, specifically a lot of these BYO splits and a lot of these splits from the bigger punk bands. Like there was a lot of covering each other, there was a lot of like covering other bands. I think it just kind of spoke to what that energy was at that time a little bit, mm-hmm. where this was it. I was almost surprised when splits would come out and didn't have a cover on them at a certain point because it just felt like that was so common. Yeah. Um, And I kind of like that it's there for that reason. I think it's as much a signpost of where they want to be going or maybe where they feel like they are Mm -hmm. is maybe this is just genuinely a very transitory release where good morning is like the goth stuff is there stylistically, visually, lyrically, but it's still a punk record. And this is them like taking the half step to take the full step. Um and you know, I I think it's fun, but here's my big complaint is that I kind of think it's a little too clean, and the reason I like the damned original is because like that snare sounds really thin. It sounds mm-hmm. really old and crackly, and just like that matches the aura of this song so well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what a lot of stuff in the 2000s starts to miss when it goes for gothy stuff is the reason that a lot of that shit from the 80s sounds and feels really cold and distant and haunting is because that's just what those records sounded like. And Mm -hmm. as things got a little cleaner, it got harder to replicate that. And I think people leaned on really cheesy stuff as stand-ins for it. I'm not saying that's what Alkaline Trio did here, But it's just like, I hear it and I'm just like, I know it doesn't sonically sound better, the damn version, but I like Mm -hmm. it a lot better. It sounds better to me. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think that it's a good cover. It's solid. It sounds like the band sounds at that time. I would have liked them to put a little bit more gas into it. I feel like if you're gonna do it speed it up a little bit maybe i I don't know it it feels it it drags
0: that's the thing is this is a long song and i do agree i feel like it gets really saggy in the second chorus Mm -hmm. the bridge of the song i've always really liked and they serve it really well here but this song it it takes a while to get where it's going and they you know alpine true did a fucking fantastic job at solving that problem when they covered rooftops, which is a mm-hmm. four minute hot water music song. It was like a minute 20. Mm-hmm. They just cut it all and make it work. And I kind of agree that I wish they did that here or made some decisions that were their own because this song does sag in the middle a little bit. Um, and the reason I don't think this does in the hands of the damned as much it's because Dave Ainian's a fucking performer when you have a front man who's he feels the theatrical on that recording. Mm-hmm. And I feels like Matt Skiba is just trying to get as close to that as he can. And I think those are two different energies. Um so yeah, I mean speeding it up or maybe even just tightening a little bit. Um yeah. would have really made this a better, like overall alkaline trio cover slash song.
1: Yeah, I think especially, to since it does go into that guitar interlude (laughs) twice, Mm -hmm. the shift is so uh, large on the original version, and on this one, it's more like, you know, band playing live. Mm -hmm. Um, There's just, like, not much of a tonal shift at all. Uh, It's just a little bit different. So. And
0: I also wish there was more backing vocals in the chorus in the Alkaline Trio Absolutely. version. It, yeah. it feels really missed to not make that kind of like not having Derek and Dan really kind of doing harmonies or doing something to make that feel a little more theirs. Um they just this is the one time where them hewing close to the original I actually think doesn't doesn't serve them as best as it could. So, what do you rate the cover? The cover gets a 3 from me. I li- I like I don't think it's average. I think it's it's got moments that are good, but it's not a standout to me in in really any capacity.
1: I am also going to go with 3 for the cover. Um it's it's fun. You can it's nice like having a, a release where the stakes are a little bit different you can throw a damn cover on there mm-hmm. as you said you kind of are expected to yeah um, but yeah it's not the it, it is very faithful and very uh i think it's done in total earnestness but it yeah, is missing
0: a little bit it's pure reference, I, and uh, you know it'd be better than them covering one man army. If I'm being real here, so <laughs> dead to me though. To ah, me. that would be a different story. Um, fantastic. Here's tent. a
1: story that I'd love to tell you. Hit me. So, in probably 1978, I'd say my uh, father went to go see The Damned in Allentown, Pennsylvania. And he gets to the the vent the show is at a hotel, which is kind of weird. Mm -hmm. But he goes and in the hotel bar, Rat Scabies is sitting at the bar. My dad never dressed punk. So Mm. my dad goes, sits down next to Rat Scabies, introduces himself saying you know hey i'm carrie you know how how are you and he's you know he's like what are you doing in town and rats he's like oh well i i play in a band and my dad's like oh well like what kind of what kind of band and he's like oh it's it's like a punk band and and my dad's like oh is that the that's the the english stuff right that's he's like yeah yeah my dad's like do not the audience like spit on those bands? He's like, yeah, that's a thing. (laughs) Mm. And he's like, oh, well, you know. Anyway, nice meeting you. And they separate. A couple hours later, the damned come out to play. Rat Scabies comes out, looks down, sees my dad. And my dad just (laughs) hits him with a
0: big old gob. I mean, I don't know of a better story than that. Yeah, that's the so, coolest thing. It's so <laughs> sick. Uh, literally and metaphorically. Um, I'm glad we don't do that anymore. As yeah. As a culture. Yeah. Maybe once shows come back, we'll get back in. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're just all going to be feral and gobbin' on people again.
1: As you were a podcast about Alkaline Trio, every week we talk about one Alkaline Trio song. And this week it was a damned song called Wait for the Blackout, but performed by the Alkaline Trio. That's why we talked about it. Uh, We invite you to come back next week and to rate and subscribe on your podcast player of choice. Tell a friend about the show. We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash as you were. You can sign up there. Listen to us. Go long form on some topics we also give people the opportunity to vote on the songs that we talk about and uh we do some merchandise over there as well so either way we'll be back next week and we invite you to join us and we look forward to it thank you friends
0: you will.